Welcome to the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. This is part two of our two-part interview with Xavier Eral. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. So here we are, uh, Xavier, in 2024. Uh, is do you feel like the prophecies and and just what what we've done to make ourselves so vulnerable has led to this year being maybe a a a, a point where kind of the volcano might erupt? What we can expect for this year will be uh, a worsening of the geopolitical theater of operations uh, the situation in israel will not finish uh, soon not at all the war in ukraine will continue the russians right now have ukraine on the ropes i know again from personal contacts friends of mine that are in brussels active duty active officers the french army that work there that i grew up with what you hear on the news and reality is like night and day. So I totally agree with you, Father, in this regard. Regarding the church, and that is what um, the prophecies of Marie-Julie Janie describe, and I do recommend, uh, not because it's my book, but read my book. It took me three years to translate methodically all the context, the nuance between the French language and the English, and the discussions that I had with uh, the granddaughter of the Marquis de la Franquerie, who was the biographer of Marie-Julie What we can expect is this, and this is in um, Marie-Julie prophecies and in Father Michel's, which as far as my studies show are concerned, they're totally and completely parallel, identical. The next attack on the Catholic Church will be the Holy Sacrament of the Altar, the, Euchari the Eucharist and the liturgy. That will be the red line. For us to say and to remain neutral, passive, will be a form of collaboration against a direct attack of the enemy upon the Catholic Church. The sacrament of the Holy Altar, the sacrament of the Eucharist, will be the next target. It will be questioned. It will be. They will try to replace it. I am. I sp I met with Father Riberger, the famous American exorcist, in a friend's house in Miami some months ago. And he mentioned to me exactly the same thing, that already this new liturgy of the consecration of the of the host is being worked on. That will be the red line, for God will not tolerate such a thing. At that moment, to continue, as I mentioned a few moments ago, to follow true heresy would be a form of collaboration. I come from a country which has gone through the humiliation of four years of occupation by the Germans. Like the rest of Europe, it was not just the French, but like the rest of the massive majority of the European population uh, under occupation, we were forced to submit, and many of the French uh, occupier, occupied population collaborated with the enemy openly. Now, this is a new sort of war we are entering into. It's a spiritual war in the name, in the words of uh, Father Laurentin. And in this war, 
in every war, there is a battle. Doesn't mean that you, we have to place ourselves in the wrong, certainly not to be vulgar or insulting, but we have to be careful because a time will come when we will be forced to make a choice. And we can, we'll, choice will be this, follow the teachings of Christ, follow the dogma of the faith and the true magisterium, or follow those, or follow different doctrine that will be veiled with authority. I'm not saying that we must at, at this moment, certainly not at this moment, point fingers or condemn the Pope or um, Fernandez, uh, Cardinal Fernandez, who's the new uh, prefect of the doctrine of the faith, a man who has written magnificent books. I don't know if you read it, Father, The Art of Kissing. It's really, uh, it's really a true poem. Sheer rubbish. I've forbidden my children to even read that um, that garbage. You know? Makes you wonder, what is in the mind of uh, Pope Francis? I don't think he's a particularly evil, uh, planning man. I just do not understand. It's one contradiction after another. He places himself under the line of fire, of criticism for idolatry, like you mentioned before. Pachamama, the Anglicans, I don't know if I mentioned in your show, the Anglicans call him Pachapapa for what he's done, laughingly. It's a disgrace. But how can we blame them? He was present. Not only has he permitted such an infamy, he was present with a very benevolent smile. That where I come from is called complicity, collaboration. The same thing with this uh, blessing of homosexuals. There is already a battalion of bishops in Africa that openly stated they will refuse giving any blessings to any homosexuals couples, period. In Europe, there are some uh, bishops that also have openly stated they will refuse to do that. It is against their faith. What we are being presented is a very astute um, tactic. It's a new interpretation of the doctrine of the faith, of the deposit of the faith, of the Gospels. It's a new interpretation. And from a new interpretation, as Per, um, as they say, a new interpretation brings forth a new faith. But again, under no circumstances are we to leave the church. I think that the greatest <laughs> and the most intelligent tactic of the enemy is to make people so angry, so scandalized. And we know what Christ said about those who cause scandals of this sort. But the tactic of the enemy is to make good men, good women, being so angry and scandalized that they decided to say, this is no longer my church. This is not what I believe anymore. And many of them, and I've met some of them, including a Knight of Columbus. As you know, Father, I'm a fourth degree Knight of Columbus, Grand Knight of So we understand each other. Well, I was state chaplain for Wisconsin. Have you? I was state chaplain for Wisconsin. Indeed. Well, one of uh, our brothers left uh, not only our council, but our church because of the scandals of what he witnessed. I tried to reason with him. His wife is trying to make him uh, see uh, reason. Hopefully she, she will manage. But that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do, to abandon the only church uh, that was uh, founded by Christ upon Peter. We must remain on board, and it is not we who must leave this, this ship. I think that answers. I hope that answers your question.
Yeah, Xavier, what I what I take from what you just said, and, and I think it's a key thing for all of us to remember is one of the most effective things that you can do if you're ever in competition against someone in a sport or if you're involved in some sort of military conflict, um, any conflict at all whatsoever, is demoralize them. Right. Really cut at that something inside of them that even has hope to want to continue to compete or continue to fight on in a battle. You know, there are many situations, you know, historically, and you know this better than I, you've studied so much more historically about conflicts where when a, a commander knows that his men are are overwhelmed, you know, he has to do things to have them dig deep inside because they're demoralized by even the numbers. The numbers of an opponent can really cut at someone and, and really cause a lot of um, discouragement. And with discouragement, demoralization, people lose hope. And if you lose hope, you simply won't get up. You won't get up in the morning. You won't get out of bed. You won't grab your rosary. What's the purpose of going to confession? Why go to adoration? Nothing works. That's an attitude we can start to adopt. And that just breaks things down so quickly. Um, you know, you're hitting so many key things. And I know the audience, myself included, though, you know, we're we're constantly looking for what are the signs? What should be we we be aware of? Now we're going to get to the preparation part. Um, there's there's so much more to talk about with you. Um, I think we warned our our tech guy, Kent. This is going to be a four or five hour podcast. <laughs> but we may go, we may take this to two or three. We don't know yet. But I, I want to know a little more if you could. Julie, Marie Julie Jeheni, an amazing stigmatist and mystic. Um, and you mentioned some of this back in September. And people can check the link in the description below if they want to go back and check out that episode. Uh, we've got it down there. We're going to have that listed in there. And your book. Yes. yes, yes. Got it. Really, Which really you'll notice the, the cover is the same as his background tonight. Yeah, it is. Uh, yep, yep. Yes, it is. That famous lightning strike. Um, and these aren't things to be just scoffed at. I know we look at things sometimes like, wow, isn't that interesting? You know, I mean, the picture, we've got it on the screen here of the, the statue of St. Peter with the halo and the keys being blown off. And specifically that it was the halo and the keys, I think is a, is a very interesting thing to consider. But again, people will just say, hey, sweetheart, did you hear about this? Oh yeah, honey, I heard about this. Hey, hey, Jim, Marsha, you know, Debbie, did you hear about this or that? And people just kind of toss it off as an interesting current event. You don't see these, and we I don't think we should be looking at these as just interesting current events or happenstance. These are, as someone said once, I, I read, this is like press release from heaven trying to make something clear to us. So can can you speak to, and this is going to be a big answer, I know, Marie <laughs> Julie Jeheni, her prophecies, combined with what we're seeing with some of these press releases from heaven, if you'll call them that, a lightning strike on the Dome of St. Peter to the keys being struck recently in Buenos Aires. These types Medjugorje of on the on, on uh, January 1st, Father yeah. Miguel on January 1st. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. yeah, all these things coming together. You're right, Father. All these pieces that are upon us right now, and we do need a very sober and maybe a more reflective look at these things and how it relates to us. Marie Julie Jeheni, the press releases from heaven, all these things happening. 
How important is it that we take these things reflectively, seriously in our lives? Okay, I will answer. And I'm going to go straight to it. Okay. I'm not going to be politically correct if you give me permission to open, to speak openly. Absolutely. Yes? Yes. Well, this is the most difficult part of it all. This is, and I mention this quite often, uh, this is not um, just a show or a um, coffee table conversation we all gathered around to discuss our banalities. Now, this is exactly the importance of these messages of these prophecies brought forth. Yes, you mentioned it through Marie-Julie Janice, through Father Michel Rodrigue, through so many others, through the sister Agnes Sasagawa in Akita, whom the local bishop is trying to muffle and to make her quiet. The message of October 13th, 1973, is available on the internet. I invite all of your viewers to read it. According to Cardinal Hatzinger, Prefect of the Doctrine of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith and future Pope Benedict XVI, the message of Akita, October 13th, 1973, which was exactly on the 56th anniversary of the last apparition of Our Lady of Fatima, is in fact the third secret of Fatima. Mm. So, what are we to expect? What is coming, and this is not to be sensationalistic at all, this is a father who speaks to you, a husband, and not somebody who is out there to uh, appear or talk about himself. Too many times I see that, and it's mediocrity. What is to come, according to Marie-Julie Janie, Father Michel Rodrigue, and other prophecies, is this. The church will find itself going through a revolution. A false, quote-unquote, a false church will come forth, the ashes from which a new Catholic church will rise at a later time, more glorious and faithful to the faith of our fathers and of the dogma of yesteryears, which is ours today. What is to come, the Catholic church will be attacked from within. The, an Antichrist, not the Antichrist, an Antichrist is according to Marie-Julie Janie and to La Salette, and to Father Michel Rodrigue, already walking in the corridors of the Vatican. The Catholic Church, the seat of Peter, will, for a very brief period of time, be empty, and a false church will spring about. And remarkably enough, a great majority of bishops and cardinals will follow through it, not all of them. The true magisterium, the true Catholic Church, will celebrate the Eucharist and all the sacraments of the Catholic Church as in the times of the catacombs, until a new, quote-unquote, angelic pope will come forth and be placed again on the seat of Peter by an appointed soul who will be called to come to France to, among other things, to reinstitute this, quote-unquote, angelic pope in Rome. And the church will rise again from the dust of this false church, and the church will be more glorious and will bring more faithful to the faith than ever before in the course of its history. In the geopolitical theater, what does prophecy tell us? This war in the Middle East will continue on and will bring to the bombing of a city in Iran. And that is one that's according to one of the 
found five secrets given to Bernadette Subiru from Lourdes in a, also, very much like in La Salette, an iron box that was discovered in the depth of the Vatican um, Library. It's in my book, chapter nine. And there will be over five million people who will die in a matter of one minute from a bomb that will be so big that the uh, sun will be hidden from. It, Xavier, it was I, an I, atomic bomb at the time. Forgive me very much for interrupting. Did you just say that St. Bernadette Subaru had received this message? St. Bernadette Subaru received five secrets. Okay. Which the Bishop of Pau, finding them ever so extravagant, decided to hide them and seal them in an iron box with the seal of his Archdiocese of Pau and send them into the depths of the Vatican's library. It's in my book. The same thing, by the way, I'll bring to your attention. And those, this is not subject to interpretation. We're talking about history, historical facts. The same thing happened with the secrets of La Salette because it was not convenient for the church, for the future of the church, for the political status of the church, nor for the political regime of France at the time. It was still in an in a, um, iron box and sent as well in the depths of the Vatican um, um, library. It was found by accident by uh, Reverend Father Cortville uh, in 1999, who happens to who happened to be a collaborator of Father René Laurentin, with whom I worked. Hmm. When the discovery of these particular secrets were brought forth to Cardinal Ratzinger, who was then the prefect of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, he gave imprimatur and permitted the release of those of the secret of La Salette. Okay. We are going into very many different uh, directions, and I apologize if it becomes confusing, especially with this ghastly, heavy French accent, and I beg your pardon. <laughs> I'm going to try to go slower, but please be indulgent with me. <laughs> ghastly. Well, as, yeah, as I long as you don't mind, accent. when I interrupt like this, I don't mean to interrupt, I don't want to be rude. No. I just I catch things that you're saying and I think okay if I'm if I'm thinking this I know the audience has got to be thinking this too some at least you know I'm I'm a very simple guy um but I, it's amazing to hear and by the way you as we said in the first podcast in September you are a brilliant Frenchman and we still we still stand by that we do I I thank you I yeah. know it's it's a lot to take yeah it's not easy Okay, so St. Bernadette has these five secrets. And, and yes. can you speak about that and how that relates to what you said about Iran being being struck? Yes. Um, we are mixing La, um, La Frode, Marie-Julie Jani, Bernadette right. Subiru, Lowe's, and Father Michel. But it's like pieces of puzzles. And I write this at the beginning of my book, Revelations. It's like mm -hmm. pieces of a puzzle that makes a huge image. It's perfect. Even yeah. Father Laurentin, when he was beginning to listen and read the apparitions of San Nicolas in Argentina, where actually this statue was uh, struck by lightning, Kibejo in Rwanda, which has been approved, thanks to Father Mich um, René Laurentin, Medjugorje, all of these here also used to say form the picture. We are starting to see what the picture is starting to look, and mm -hmm. it's absolutely perfect. Lourdes, Bernadette Subiru received as a fifth uh, message that this city in Pakistan would be destroyed in a matter of seconds. And that Pakistan, it would be Pakistan five million, or Iran? I beg your pardon, Iran. Okay, Iran. Iran. Okay, okay. And then Iran would be bombed in a matter of one minute. And in this bombing of Iran, 
there would be 5,882,417 people dead. She named it to the last digit. Wow. What Remember, this was given in the late 19th century, in the 1800s. There was no such conception of a nuclear bomb. Number one, Marie-Julie Jani stated that after the passing away of an English queen, there would be many events that would follow one another in a consecutive order. One of them would be that England, uh, Jerusalem, and Persia would find each other confronting each other. Why did she mention England, Jerusalem, and Persia? Because in the late 1800s, there was no such things as uh, Israel. There was no state of Israel. Jerusalem, Palestine in the late 1900s, was part of the Ottoman Empire. Persia, there was no such thing as Iran. Iran became an independent country way after, years after the um, the Treaty of Versailles. was also part of the, I believe part of it was part of the Ottoman Empire, not entirely. And England, the United States in the late 1900s was not yet a superpower. It was a power far, far away on the other side of the Atlantic. So the interpretation, Father Laurentin, Again, I'm not a theologian, not nearly close to the caliber of Father Lorata, but it appears to me that it is logical. What Marie-Julie Jani meant, the Anglo-Saxons and Israel will form a coalition against Iran, which means not only Iran, it means also the coalition that involves Syria, which is pro-Iranian, although they are Sunnites and uh, the Iranians are Shiites, Hezbollah in Lebanon, that controls completely Lebanon. And it is a force, a military force to be reckoned with. And Hamas in Palestinian. This is exactly what we are seeing right now. So what will happen after this? According to Marie-Julie Jani, and this is where it gets tragic. According to this, the war will pursue its course in a more uh, severe manner. Uh, there will be in the European continent, many revolutions of uh, immigrant populations that will rise against the local authorities. There will be a revolution and sorts of alliance in Italy, in Germany, England, France, and Spain that will rise, um, that will bring to light uh, Islamo-socio-communist uh, power. In France, it will be more severe before it reaches Italy. There will be Manifest manifestations in Paris. They will try to burn a lot of buildings. Paris will be in different places in fire. The Russians, according to Marie-Julie Jani, and according to Father Michel Rodrigue, will take advantage of this chaos in those principal NATO nations in the European continent. They will issue a massive mobilization. Now, a brief parenthesis, so as not to go too fast. Keep in mind that between 1940 and 1944, uh, the German Wehrmacht, the Nazi army, was able to, write, to raise about 9 to 11 million troops. It is estimated, according to my friends in Brussels, in the French army, that if tomorrow Russia were to make a national mobilization, they would be able to raise within three months somewhere between 8 to 9 million troops. And their military industry is already capable of arming more than that. 
they've been amassing and amassing since uh, the past year, a little less than a year, weapons of all sorts for a massive attack. Right now we can see all the attacks they're making with hundreds of missiles, which the West swore and all the gods of Greek mythology, they didn't possess. They possess them. And what's more, they have an arsenal that is considerably, considerably bigger. According to Marie-Julie Jani, according to um, Father Michel Rodrigue and others, whom I mentioned in the book, the Russians will take advantage of this disorder on the European continent and will wipe out all the NATO defenses from the Polish border all the way to the Rhine River. It will be a blitzkrieg of sorts. They will absolutely uh, protect their right and their left flank. On the right flank, Scandinavia will be principally attacked through the air. And there will be um, forces that will be aeroported or will be disembarking or coming from the northern part of the countries. They will not represent any sort of serious defense or blockage against the Russians. The Poles will be overcome very quickly. The Germans will be beaten, but there will be a lot of destruction in the German country because there will be more resistance. And the German and the Russians will finally stop at the Rhine River for a moment of peace, of pause, to reco recover and lick their wounds before they proceed on forth. In the meantime, we are told there will be a coalition of Muslim nations that will form in the Mediterranean Sea. And they, in turn, will disembark in southern Italy, Sicilia, Sardinia, Corsica, the French Riviera, the Costa del Sol, the west, the east coast of Spain, and Andalusia in the southern part of Spain. All the Spaniards, the French Ita and Italian defenses will be taken by surprise and will withdraw. Marseille will be completely destroyed in the, in the course of this war. And later, supposedly, according to prophecy, informally approved by the local Bishop Fournier in 1876, will sing in the Mediterranean. By the way, the same prophecy which has been confirmed by the children of La Salette, a formally recognized and approved apparition site in France by the local bishop and by the dicasterium of the doctrine of the faith of the time. Now, Marie-Julie Jani mentioned, and is quite extraordinary, she mentioned a name of a particular antichrist, antichrist who will be coming from uh, Pakistan, crossing Iran, Sy um, Iran, Iraq, Syria. He will come with his brother. His brother will briefly take over the power in, in Turkey until they finally do away with him. But he, his name will be Arkael de la Torre. Marie-Julie who speaks, who spoke only French, had a difficulty mentioning that name. So she she repeated three times until St. Michael the Archangel told him that was the correct way and and spelled it correctly. Arkael de la Torre in English. Now this man, according to what the Virgin Mary and St. Michael mentioned to Marie-Julie Jani, will, uh, will be coming from a German slash Pakistani family who used to be Catholics but who converted to Islam. This man will come and will take the head. He will be called by the Communists and the Islamic Party of Italy, will briefly take power for about a year, and will be the cause of a bloodbath in Naples, in Napoli, southern Italy, uh, of 
Christian and Catholic priests and nuns. He will attack all sorts of Christians, whether Catholic or Protestant, but the Catholics will be his choice of preference. And he will chase them. South, in South Italy, all the Christians will be chased, like the Jews used to be hit, uh, uh, chased by the Gestapo, by the Nazis, by the Waffen-SS. But before continuing, I, I'd like to just make, if you permit me, a brief, open a brief parenthesis. This, all this sounds extraordinary, sounds very much like a Hollywood movie. So, surely enough, like I used to, no longer, but like I used to, people will wonder, how is it possible that such prophecies are so detailed? Has there ever been anything like that before? My answer to this is with such precision publicly displayed that I know of, no. However, in 1917, to, you, to name but the most famous Marian apparition of all, the one of Fatima, the Virgin Mary announced to these three shepherds in the middle of the first, well, at the end of the First World War, that this world war will end, and very soon. And remember, as a Frenchman, I can tell you, my grandfather participated. It was called La Der de Der, which means this was meant to be the last of the last of all wars. And it was supposed to be ensured that there would be no further war in the world because of the Treaty of Versailles, which followed in 1919, after the end of World War One. So there was no more war to be taken place afterwards. And the Treaty of Versailles was to implement that with all the strength of all the nations that signed the treaty. All right. But the Virgin Mary said no. Not only would this war end, yes, but a second world war, worse than this one, would take place. And if humanity does not convert in time, Russia will spread her errors throughout the world. Completely unrealistic at the time. Completely. That it would be a second world war when the first world war was not over yet? That Russia would spread her errors when Russia was still under the Tsar? The revolution did not take place yet. It would take place one month after the last apparition of the Virgin Mary. And it was, and Russia just signed the armistice with the Kaiser of Germany because they lost the war. Russia was no longer world power. It was an army. It held an army of Cossacks who could barely stand on their horses because they were half of the time drunk with vodka. Russia was the subject of ridicule throughout the entire world. So for Russia to become a superpower that would spread her errors, it was considered completely gibberish, unrealistic. A second world war to take place after the first world one, which did not finish yet, unrealistic. Especially in 1919, a year after the, the capitulation of the German army, the Treaty of Versailles made sure in 1919 that there would be no further war anywhere in the world. It was thought unbelievable or unrealistic that there would be a Second World War that would take place again with Germany that would be worse than the first one. It was unrealistic. So I understand how such prophecies by Marie Jeligenie with such precision can shock. It did me. It did in the past. But then when I spoke with Father Laurentin, I asked him a question. Father, have you ever been found uh, to wonder about an alleged apparition site when the immense majority coincides perfectly with the deposit of the faith, but when the prophecies seems completely cuckoo? 
And Father Laurentin answered me the question. Answered me, answered me in this fashion. Xavier, we cannot use a filter of convenience when we study an apparition site. We either accept it all or we negate it all. There is no, as the Americans said, cherry, cherry picking. In regard to Marie-Julie Jani, and in view of her history of receiving Holy Communion from out of nowhere, and there's been in my book many monks and priests who've been sent there who've seen her receiving communion out of thin air, like in Garabandal, her body levitating, her receiving the scourges of the Passion of Our Lord every Friday and loving God and always asking everyone to remain faithful to the church, even when the church was anything but kind towards, towards her. There cannot be a contradiction. Of course, prophecy can change. And that's the nature of everything. That prophecy is meant only for one thing, not to say you have a sword of Democles, you've been condemned, prepare to suffer. Certainly not. God is not that kind of a, of a God. God is sending his mother with a loving and imploring voice to tell us, change your course, convert now. If you do not want these events to take place, which will take place as a consequence of your sin, of your sinful lives. This is what happened in Fatima when the Virgin announced the Second World War that nobody believed. But this is what happened in Fatima when the Virgin Mary said, if we do not convert in time, if we do not convert in time, Russia will spread her hairs throughout the world. A Russia that it practically did not exist. It was a very vast land of a nation that was beaten and humiliated by the Kaiser after signing an armistice with the Kaiser. It was it held an army, as I said, that was laughable, unrealistic prophecy, and it took place nevertheless. So we come back to Marie-Julie Janine. And again, forgive me, but it was a necessary um, explanation that had to be done. But you'll understand now, according to what is supposed to come, according to Marie-Julie Janine, and I'm going to go much faster, I'm not going to go into details of invasion, but Spain, Italy will be completely conquered, part of France, not all of France will be conquered by the Russians and the Muslims who will be stopped by a remnant of the French army and whatever is left of NATO. Again, this will sound quite remarkable, but this prophecy I'm about to reveal to you was also mentioned in La Salette, approved by the local bishop at my Rome, by Tilly, also in Normandy, likewise approved a few years later by the local bishop and by Rome, and of course by Marie-Julie Janine, which stated that the true descendant of Louis XVI and of Marie-Antoinette, the Prince of France, will be called by a privileged soul from France uh, to ask him to come back to France, free France, join the King of Spain, and liberate Italy, Rome, and place in the seat of Peter a quote-unquote angelic pope. The, the, this matter, this prophecy of the grand, great monarch, this great French king, has been also foretold in La Salette, as I mentioned, and in other appar approved apparition sites. This monarch, and I spoke about him to Father Michel, he's been told the same thing, that this, this monarch is indeed a reality, and he is alive today, and he's aware and awaits. According to Marie-Julie Jani, and according to La Salette, the French monarch is not in France. He was born in France, but he's not 
living in France. France does not possess him. But a privileged soul in the region of Vendée will be will see an apparition and will be instructed to go seek him and ask him upon the orders of God to come to France, push back all the invaders, invaders from France, push back all the Muslims out of France, out of Italy, and install the uh, angelic Pope. Now, in the course of these events, of this conflict in Europe, there will be another chastisement that God has, that will inflict upon humanity if it does not convert. It will be um, that of the spread of a tremendous disease that the Americans will call the burning plague. This disease will attack, of course, first the skin. It will become very red and the person will feel, the victim will feel tremendous burn. It will affect the uh, high the blood pressure, which will go very high. It will affect the brain and the um, power of speech. According to the Blessed Virgin Mary, medical human medical science will have no answer to this very contagious disease. It will be airborne and will cause millions of victims throughout the planet. There will be but only one remedy. And I will mention it to you now. It's in the book with further details. Forgive my pronunciation. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, or if, I, if I make a butchery of it. It's the hawthorn leaf. Hawthorn. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N. Hawthorn leaf. The Virgin Mary said that this particular leaf will be the only remedy that will be able to stop this deadly disease. There will be nothing else. And this uh, particular leaf must be applied three times a day uh, and consumed. It must be consumed. And again, it seems like Hollywood. That is the part in all my talks that I feel the most uncomfortable because I know how it sounds. I know how it sounded to me when I first heard this. But this is what it was said. It must be made in a fusion of sorts, a tea. You must boil water for 14 minutes. No, boil water, I beg your pardon. Just boil water. Once it's boiling, turn off the fire, put the hawthorn leaves, cover it, and leave it for 14 minutes. The version promised, if it is taken in time, there will be healing. Now, some people will say, this is absurd. I did at first. Then, so same thing happened in the waters of Lourdes. The waters of Lourdes have been studied. The, the instructions of the Virgin Mary were, drink the water, eat the grass, place yourself, and many of you will be healed. It was ridiculous. Bernadette Subiru covered her face with mud from this little spring she discovered. She was the subject of laughter. Her story, the request of the Virgin Mary. I know I'm from France. I lived it. I went there. People thought it was rubbish. And yet, we all know the enormous amounts of healings that it took place. So I thought to myself, why not? Why is that so ridiculous? Is it not an act of faith? In the in the times of Moses, I remember the Old Testament mentioned very clearly, you have to put the, lamb, the blood of the lamb on the threshold of the homes of the Jews to be protected from the angel destructor. For the modern people, this would sound absolutely ridiculous. Oh, really? Blood of the lamb? That's it, I'm saved. That's absurd. And yet, God knows why he ordered his orders. Again, all this was discussed was um, pondered upon. There is no contradiction with the dogma of the faith. If it happens, very good. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. What if prophecy does not happen 
exactly as Marie-Julie Janie or other prophet, prophets mentioned, it wouldn't happen. We have to thank God. We cannot, we are miserable creatures. It appears to us that salvation comes with from faith. To believe that God makes himself presence in the Holy Eucharist, for those who do not believe, isn't that a ridiculous notion? God Almighty placing himself in a piece of bread and in a chalice of wine. For us Catholics, we absolutely believe. For us, we can. it's imperative that we live with this sacrament. Non-believers will not understand and will poke fun of us. And the message that Father Michel received yesterday actually confirms this fact. And I will reveal it to you as per Father Michel's instructions in February. All I, I think the cornerstone, the basis of these messages is have charity. If you think that the authors of these messages are wrong, pray for them. Do not condemn them. Do not make fun. Because without knowing it, you might be making fun of a messenger of God. It's possible. And the purpose of these messages is to make man avert from the catastrophe which he deserves. Because he deserves it. No? And God simply is trying to save through his mother, through an imploring voice, convert. All this is accompanied with the following message. And I know I sound like an old record, but conversion must take place through the sacraments only of the Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church. Baptism, of course, confession, the Holy Eucharist. In properly prepared, we must remain faithful to the Gospels of our Lord Jesus Christ, the deposit of the faith and Holy Scriptures. If we do this, if we trust in God, we will be saved, as I said, in the soul and in the body. There are other protections that Marie-Julie received. She asked a more heart, warm, heart warmly, forgive my English, my kitchen English, but sometimes it's, it uh, betrays me. But one of the things that Virgin Mary has asked Marie-Julie to ask to the faithful is to wear upon their person the brown scapula, the scapula of Mont Carmel, and to have it first blessed by a priest before it used to be that it had to be blessed by a Carmelite, no longer. The Catholic Church permits now any priest to consecrate or to bless a scapula, and then you put it, and he has to put it first himself upon you. Afterwards, if it breaks, you do not need to have a priest put it upon you again. You can buy one, have it blessed, and wear it, place it upon yourself, yourself. The Virgin asks for the um, from Marie-Julie the scapula of Mont Carmel. She asks as well that we wear upon our person the miraculous medal through, that was given through Catherine Labouret. It must be blessed by a priest and worn upon all times upon our persons. The Virgin Mary asks us, among, above all, that we wear a crucifix with a corpus on our persons, blessed by a priest, to use holy water, preferably exercised water. The Virgin Mary has asked Marie-Julie Janie to ask everyone to use exercised water for your houses and your properties. Likewise, there are more. And I know it's criticism it's going to come, I'm sure of it. It wouldn't be a war if there isn't a fight, no? <laughs> but again, I understand. I did not use to believe until not so long ago. Now I do believe. But the Virgin Mary asks us as well to wear upon our persons um, the cross of pardon, which is, well, I have it here. I have a large photo in my book. The cross of pardon, in addition to the corpus, the Virgin promised that in times of difficulties when we priests will not be available and you want to um, ask for confession, you can kiss, you have to have it blessed 
And whenever you would kiss or touch this holy cross, you will uh, receive absolution for venial sins, not That's mortal the cross sins. on uh, the combat rosary that I yes. designed. Hmm. Finally, pardon, for children, uh, the the cross of pardon or the pardon crucifix goes by both names. Mm. Indeed. Uh, finally, the version asks parents, particularly parents, to have their children and mine do wear it, uh, wear the medal of La Bo Notre Dame de la Bonne Garde, a lady of good guard, with a prayer in the back, asking the Virgin Mary to protect our children and their innocence from the attacks of the enemy. For Marie-Julie said, one of the principal targets of the enemy will be marriages and families. The enemy will try to destroy them from within and from without. So those are some of the principal uh, protections that she's given us. There are much more. One in thing the, I'd in like the to, yeah, uh, I can't, I don't have that book. I want. I can't wait to get it. I'll send you one, Father. Thank you. After but, you uh, give me absolution. And we'll put the link for everybody to get it. It's going to be amazing. Um I'll give a shout out too to to the book that I created uh, not so long ago, but it's called <laughs> uh, United States Grace Force Strength and Alliance Field Journal. But it actually, uh, more than anything, it, it helps you become disciplined in your prayer life and especially the essentials of your prayer. So, um, Doug, you and I were having this conversation that um, we're pretty good prayers, but there's times where we'll get lax or get distracted and and we'll get undisciplined. Yeah. And my uh, resolution this year was to become very disciplined in my prayer. So I've caught everything okay. today, you know, the morning offering, the Angelus, the rosary. I went to mass. So um, all that's laid out in there. And you can actually, it's a journal. So you can actually check the box when you uh, when you do uh, those things. And the more you do them in a row, the more discipline, more easier it becomes to be disciplined because it just kind of comes naturally after a while. So this is set up uh, to uh, for a year's journal. So, and then it also uh, the best prayers for praying for uh, deceased loved ones uh, to get them into heaven, and then also prayer requests that you've had. You can log them in here, and uh, I recommend in here the uh, Padre Pio prayer. You know the Sacred Heart Novena prayer. So for for that particular thing, when people ask you to pray for them. So, anyways. Uh, I can't wait to get your book. So I'm going to have these two together in 2024. Um, <laughs> awesome. So we'll put a we'll put a link to this in the comments too. Yeah, we'll get it down there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Xavier, I'd like. To, can I jump in on something here, Father? If you don't mind. Xavier, I'm really curious. Um, you make a really good point. I know the audience has got to be questioning, as I do, and I am. The yes. you know the details of some of these things, some of these messages. But when you mentioned something about the scapular, I, I can only imagine what it sounded like when St. Simon Stock, 1251, receives the great gift of the scapular from Our Lady, when he comes out and tells people, if you die wearing this, and it was I think it was a larger piece at the time, you will not suffer the fires of hell. And I just can't imagine people would have taken it right away and thought, okay, that makes a good sense. Let's Let's just run with it. Let's go. There had to be people who who made fun of it, scoffed it. The same as you mentioned about Bernadette in Lourdes. I mean, even the little cartoon, there's an old CCC video, and I know some of the audience remembers this. My kids were homeschooled, and we put the CCC videos in, and they were good Catholic little videos, little animations, 30 minutes long. And 
there's a statement from one of the girls, uh, one of the characters in there, when Bernadette is doing, uh, I believe it's when she goes up and starts pulling the weeds out of the ground and she starts to dig in the mud or the dirt there. And you hear a girl in the background say, the girl's crazy. And it just kind of had that ring to it that my kids never forgot. But I can only imagine those people that day, and even as the story spread, even after the miraculous waters appeared, and even after miracles took place, and even right now, where you see in Lourdes, and I've never been there, I, I take it you have, yes. that there are hundreds of crutches and, and all sorts of things that were left behind, and still people don't believe in the miracle of what God does through these extraordinary means. So I look at the things that you just described about even hawthorn leaves and how that might be very hard for people. But, you know, you mentioned that about the Old Testament writings about the lamb, the details of what God tells Moses they need to do with this lamb, how it must be eaten, how it must be cooked. They must be dressed as if they're ready to travel. The blood must be placed on the on the you know the post of the door and such. The details of it must have had a lot of them scratching their head, thinking, "Is this guy got all of his marbles?" Because this seems very unusual that God would ask for such specific details, and yet it becomes, in hindsight, we now know it's that covenant that Christ Himself then, you know, um, you know, on the day of that takes a whole nother turn for the salvation of mankind. So have you run into, and I can only imagine you have, people who have really not appreciated the the, the details of these messages? And if so, what is your response to those who might think, okay, this is a little bit over the top? All of it. Many. From the prophecy of, of the war to the Hawthorne. What are your thoughts? Of course. Many. I've met many, many people who immediately said, no. As I said, I was one of them. I thought it was not mm. reasonable. But again, <laughs> he, oh, I thought it was too sensationalistic. And then I thought to myself, really sensationalistic. What is more sensationalistic for God to send his son be born from the blessed, from a Virgin Mary? Mm. And or more sensationalistic for his son to walk over waters or to rise the dead or to make the blind see or to be crucified where blessing his persecutors, or, or to even rise on the third day after his crucifixion. I was one of those doubters. And then I thought to myself, blast, blast it all. You know what? I'm going to make the bet of Pascal. The bet of Pascal is famous in France. I'd rather bet that this is true, so that if it happens to be true, I'll be saved. And it will cost me what kind of effort? to make a, a couple of leaves on boiling water and possibly to save me or to say, no, I don't believe it and to die no matter what happens. So it's a question of taking things in a calm manner. To say no automatically without taking time to think, to me, doesn't show reason. It is not reasonable. It, takes, it took me three years to finally study, ponder upon all this carefully, trying to find and disseminate any contradiction between the faith and between what was brought forth through this particular messenger. But to say no like this, from one moment to the other, first time you hear it, it shows a, mat mat it shows a maturity, an imma not immaturity, 
um, amateur, amateurishness. No, it shows someone who has no experience. It is a matter that must be thought carefully and meditating with a spiritual advisor. Nonetheless, what I want to bring forth to you is this. All these messages brought forth by Marie-Julie Jani are in no contradiction with approved apparition site like that of Sa Sister uh, Agnes Sasagawa from Akita, or from uh, the children of La Salette, which have been approved as well, or from the visionary of Tilly, or from Eric and um, Emerick, uh, who saw things uh, very similar, the, the Russian, I think, the Russian flag on top of the uh, Rome of Peter. These things can change, very much like the Second World War. And, and I had this conversation again with Father Laurentin and with Father Michel. Uh, if indeed, because the message, remember in Fatima, the Virgin Mary was very clear, like with Marie-Julie Jani, if humanity does not change, these things will happen. The Second World War and the spread of the Russia's errors. I wonder if instead of hiding the third secret of Fatima in utter disobedience with the ruling of the Virgin Mary, instead of hiding it, if they would have made a crusade, if the church would have made a crusade throughout the world saying, let us pray the Holy Rosary, let's offer mass so that there wouldn't be a second world war and for the conversion of Russia, as the Virgin Mary said. I wonder what would have happened in 1936 when the French army who occupied the Ruhr and was about to enter Germany when the, they were starting to rearm and wanted to reach Berlin. No. What would have happened? Would it be would have France send its armies to Berlin when Germany was not prepared yet and finish with the putsch of Adolf Hitler, finish with him, and the war would have been avoided? If that was the purpose of the Third Secret of Fatima, to avoid, to have men convert and press that these events do not take place. Again, this is not subject to interpretation. It is a fact. That was the purpose of the apparition of Our Lady in Fatima. If humanity does not convert with Father Michel, and he has been, I don't know if you followed the story last year, he has been attacked in a very peculiar manner. The only time I've seen so much animosity against him was when I saw the visionaries of Medjugorje attacked for other things they defamed them with. It was odd. Because he is a man of the cloth. He's done a lot of good to many people. A lot of good. He's never harmed anyone. And he has converted people. He has brought them closer to the sacraments. He, he is a man, as you Americans say, you have an expression, he doesn't have an evil bone in his body. And he lives very simply. He doesn't own anything. On December the 28th, 2022, he celebrated Mass. And during the elevation, he heard the voice of our Lord, of God, the Eternal Father, as he calls him, tell him, my son Benedict will not see the year 2023. This was on December the 28th, 2022. The, the new year was a days away. And he passed away on the 31st, I believe. Father, and they were witnesses because he mentioned this to his brothers and to people who were there. I spoke with them. They confirmed. Father Michel did not have a thought about making it public. He didn't care about his persons. My Father Michel asks with the following philosophy. I and the attention on me must decrease so the attentions of the message are brought forth. That's why I am always on my guard on people who talk about their personal experience. Oh, I've been led, inspired by God to do this. I, mean, I prefer a discretion to exhibition. And Father Michel is a 
other example of that, humidity. So he did not echo these stories to the right and to the left. He rejoiced. He, the destiny of Father of um, um, Pope Benedict XVI has been avoided, thanks, according to God the Father, to the prayers of millions who prayed for him and for him to, for, for his protection. The power because of prayer. The, exactly. Power of prayer. Um, yeah, you can so, mitigate these kinds of things. I I think we got to come to an end here. Um, but Xavier, yes. you know, listen, if it's uh, if it's scapulars or twiddling beads or you know hawthorn leaves or or don't eat from that apple tree and all the trees in the garden right god will do that and i think he's asking us to be humble he's asking us to be humble here wear a cloth you know a square cloth around your neck right i mean or hawthorn leaves uh, who knows uh but can we be humble are we do we have enough humility to go Basically, sir, yes, sir, whatever you want me to do. I won't eat from that apple tree over there, and I'll twiddle these beads. And um, all along in salvation history, I think it's been that way. And I think this is just another time. But I think the bottom line is is that, um, uh, I, and I, I'll bet a lot of our listeners, viewers out there uh, agree, but something's coming. And, and uh, signs seem to be pouring to 2024. And so we're... The best thing that we can do is get as close to God as we possibly can, right? Yeah. Get under the mantle of Mary to do things precisely His way, you know, not the apple tree, uh, Hawthorne, or whatever, uh, but but to to want to please Him in every every way, and and He will take us through whatever storms uh, we may have. You know, it's a uh, I just heard a, a phrase the other day. It was. Uh, uh, don't wait for the storms to be over. Uh, start learning to dance in the rain. And I think that's what we're being called to do during this time. So listen, Xavier, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for for your 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 mission, your your uh, your ministry of of really helping us to understand what our lady has been communicating to us and our Lord. Okay? So let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen.